0: You've undoubtedly heard a lot in recent weeks about the Safety Act, about the looming end of cash bail in Illinois. A lot of what you've heard has been political in nature. Some of it has had some real misinformation attached to it, which is why I was really glad today when Sangamon County State's Attorney Dan Wright put out a press release to really sort of lay out the facts as we know it about this law what it will do and what we need to know before it takes effect on January 1st. And Sagamit County State's Attorney Dan Wright joins us now to uh, to put this into some plain language that hopefully we can all understand and really separate the uh, facts from the hype in all of this. Dan, thanks for the time. We really appreciate it.
1: Good afternoon, Jim. Thanks for having me
0: on. Well, let me just start by saying my takeaway from reading your press release, uh, and correct me if I'm mischaracterizing this, but uh, that the sky is not falling yet, but that it would be really helpful to make some changes, some modifications to this law before it takes effect to prevent some real complications. Is that a fair assessment?
1: I I think that's correct. Um, There are a lot of good faith concerns that are, are, are premised in um, a, a really fundamental uh, area of public interest, which is obviously public safety. Um, and, and, and that's my uh, agenda. Um, I'm, I'm not, um, you know, this is not a political issue. This is not a, you know, um, an issue that, you know, is about, you know, the left or the right. This is about uh, preserving public safety and also recognizing that there is plenty of room for criminal justice reform and uh, I think that is the, the objectives of the sponsors of this legislation and the key stakeholders that, that support the bill. Um, I support many parts of it. Um, I think the, the end of cash bail is a valid public policy objective because uh, you know I don't believe someone should be held in jail simply by a function of how much is in their bank account. My concern is, th- is not uh, that uh, objective, um, but what do we replace it with, and, and how do we maximize... Um, uh, the ability of law enforcement and state's attorneys and judges to make sure that um, those who present uh, a serious danger to the community uh, based on the nature of the offense, the circumstances surrounding the offense, um, criminal history, et cetera, uh, that judges retain the discretion to make those uh, comprehensive evaluations based upon the facts uh, and circumstances in front of them uh, based upon the, the, the immediate, um, facts in front of them rather than, um, you know, be subject to to very specific and significant restrictions um, imposed under this uh, new law that are that are not part of a judge's current discretion I know there's a lot to this
0: law and it's hard to, to break this down into some you know really kind of simple terms that covers all the different scenarios here but if you can sort of explain to us uh, if this law as it's currently written goes into effect on January 1st what changes in terms of a judge's ability to keep someone behind bars who is suspected of committing you know potentially a very serious crime uh, a, a crime that may you know pose dangers to the public if that individual were to be let out what's different about what happens on january 1st 2023 compared to the system we have in place right now
1: well i good question and happy to answer that i, I will say that the the safety act is uh, an approximately 760 some page bill that touches upon you know over 250 separate statutes um and so when we talk about the safety act and its effects some of it has already gone into effect some of it um will go into effect January 1st, specifically the pretrial detention standards or the pretrial fairness act, which is a part of the, the safety act. And then there are other provisions. Uh, for example, the, the, uh, the, the phased in body cam requirement based upon, uh, you know, uh, the populations or, or uh, certain departments throughout the state, some of those, uh, will go into effect as late as 2025. So there's, there's a long, um, uh, runway for a lot of the provisions of this act to take effect, but the purpose of our discussion is the, is the Pretrial Fairness Act, the Pretrial Detention Standards. The the, the chief way in which uh, it changes is that um, a judge's discretion currently, so so prior to the effective date of of the Safety Act or of the Pretrial Fairness Act, um, a judge currently has the ability to uh, review all the facts uh, and circumstances presented by. Uh, the, the prosecution and uh, and the defense, uh, which includes criminal history, the specific nature of the offense, um, prior failures to appear in court as 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 evidence of uh, the likelihood that the that the individual will uh, appear at, at for, for future court dates uh, for the charged offense, um, and a judge's discretion to evaluate those all of those uh, comprehensive circumstances to determine um, what a person's cash bond should be. Um, that's the, that's the status now. And there are circumstances where someone can have their bond denied completely. Those are very rare circumstances requiring a different standard of proof and, and, and different standards, uh, aside from, you know, your typical, uh, bond hearing. So when you eliminate cash bail, um, for example, the federal system that while it maintains, uh, you know, the ability to impose cash bail in certain circumstances, typically it's an in or out, uh, detention system. So you're either detained or not detained. Uh, and that is what Illinois is moving to in theory as far as, far as the result you are either in or you're out. Uh, but the standards that a federal court uh, applies in that situation are vastly different than those contained in the pretrial fairness act. For example, uh, in federal court, a judge can, it can, can evaluate, um, without limitation based upon the offense, um, the facts and circumstances related to potential danger to the community and and risk of willful flight, without you know specific um, limitations. And then a federal court can make that determination of, of pretrial detention or, or release with conditions. Um, the difference with the Pretrial Fairness Act is that... Um, you hear, you know, references to detainable and non-detainable offenses. And, you know, there's been a lot of misinformation and I think confusion um, and folks are really concerned about, uh, you know, what what is the straightforward effect of, of this law? And with, um, with specific offenses under the Pretrial Fairness Act, there's a section, it's Section 110-6.1A, and it references the specified offenses uh, for which a court can consider uh, a risk of, of harm to the community, uh, public safety evaluation—you know, dangerousness, however you want to refer to it—as um, part of the consideration of whether a person is detained. So, in terms of a judge's ability or authority to uh, consider those facts that, that that may convince a judge that that uh, by clear and convincing evidence that a person poses a danger to the community that no uh, pretrial condition uh, could sufficiently mitigate. Um, then the court can take take those things into account, and then the burden is on the state to prove by clear and convincing evidence uh, that that this the standard is is met. So the offenses that are included in that are, according to the statute, uh, the new the new statute that goes into effect January one, are forcible felonies that are not eligible eligible for probation, uh, which would include things like first degree murder, um, you know, and, and many other uh crimes that you would you would expect, um, you know, some sex crimes, uh, some firearm offenses um that are non probationable, uh forcible felonies. And then in addition to that, any other uh offenses that are specifically listed in that section. And it lists many, 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 many offenses that that are in that section. But if it's not part of that specified list, um, a judge cannot consider dangerousness to the community uh, as part of the detention analysis, now there is a separate way uh, to detain a person uh, that's charged with a class three or above of any kind, um, and that is if the court finds that by clear and convincing evidence that they they present a high high risk of willful flight. and what that means uh, it doesn't matter what you know what 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 common sense might might how common sense might define that or how the public might define that. Of course, we operate based on the law and the statutory definition of of what that means. And the current definition uh, requires us to prove by clear and convincing evidence that um, that person is uh, planning or attempting to evade prosecution by concealing themselves. Um, And the statute says that you cannot uh, solely rely upon prior failures to appear in court as evidence uh, that a person is a high likelihood of willful flight in the future um, so the the general consensus among you know prosecutors of 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 all parties and and you know folks with decades of training and experience uh, in in these types of cases, the general consensus is that that narrowly defined definition essentially eliminates detention um, on the basis of high risk of willful flight in 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 nearly every conceivable uh, situation short of you know, a defendant, uh, declaring that they intend to evade prosecution by concealing themselves and dan if i can Um, if
0: i can jump in here because we're we're tight on time and i want to make sure we cover the the real high points on this you have in this press release a list of of various crimes serious crimes uh for which uh, according to this a judge would not be permitted to consider potential danger to the community because these are probationable probationable offenses it includes aggravated battery aggravated dui arson intimidation even of potential witnesses kidnapping robbery second-degree murder is in there a, a number of others as well uh, now, are there uh, uh, right now uh, people charged with any of those crimes could potentially be released on cash bond if they have the money in the bank correct correct so uh un- under this system is there any provision to keep people charged with crimes like that behind bars? If you, as a prosecutor, if police think, okay, this person is actually a real danger, they may be a danger to other witnesses. They may just be somebody who's, you know, committing a lot of crimes, and, and we're really concerned about it. Mm-hmm. Is there any process by which they can be kept behind bar, uh, behind bars to await trial?
1: Under the new law, if it is um, a class three or above then we can and there's clear and convincing evidence that they are they present a high uh, risk of willful flight then we can make that argument but but you, but it's, you just pointed it's out that's going to be very
0: almost impossible right. to to prove that so uh right. those people so, would at least theoretically automatically walk uh, and, until their trial
1: right i think you can make a technical theoretical, theoretical argument in the language of the statute that those people could still be theoretically detained but the practical reality is that the, the 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 definition of willful flight is so narrow that that practically excludes nearly every conceivable scenario. So the answer to your question is: for those offenses that are not uh, forcible felonies, that you can't get probation, uh, or other offenses that are specifically enumerated in in that section of the act, where a court is permitted to continue da- to consider dangerousness to a person or persons or, or the community, um, then then those are not allowed to be uh, considered in terms of of dangerousness of of the individual that's charged with those offenses and the 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 offenses that you mentioned uh are either um forcible felonies that are eligible for probation or are you know serious dangerous crimes uh that are not enumerated in in that section um so we would not be able to present evidence of a person's criminal history their dangerousness the risk of harm to the community for any of those offenses uh, as an argument to to detain them pretrial, regardless of how dangerous law enforcement or prosecutors or a judge thinks that that person may be, the only basis to detain them pretrial would be um, meeting this high likelihood of willful flight standard uh, at, at the level of clear and convincing evidence, which is not quite reason beyond a reasonable doubt but is is pretty darn close according to the case law um and of course far above uh you know finding a probable cause which is Um, the the current standard to uh, detain someone and and give them a cash bond.
0: The other thing we're hearing, even from some of your fellow prosecutors, is that this isn't only just an issue for uh, cases that you're dealing with after the first of the year, but people you've got right now behind bars in the Sangamon County Jail for whom bond has been set. Come January 1st, you're essentially going to have to let a lot of those folks go. Is that accurate? Do you have to fling open the jail cell doors on New Year's Day? What, What do we do? About that, that situation with people Who are currently incarcerated and awaiting trial Charged with some of these serious offenses
1: Well, there, there are a number of ambiguities in the law And that's not you know, just my opinion The, the Supreme Court uh, task force that, that was assigned to interpret and implement uh, the, 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 the Pretrial Fairness Act uh, has has identified various uh, ambiguities and concerns they have about the, the current language of the law. and to to be fair, uh, the sponsors and key stakeholders that are proponents of, of the entirety of the safety act have have, have publicly acknowledged, uh, and I commend them for that their willingness to you know um, consider meaningful changes uh, to the act and, and this would be part of that. Um, there, there is a question right now about whether, you know, the pretrial detention provisions, uh, would be, uh, retroactive or just prospective, Um, but out of an abundance of caution, the approach in Sangamon County is going to be to evaluate the, uh, offenses uh, for which each person currently in custody is charged and determine whether, um, we think that, that an argument could be made, a good faith argument could be made under the new law, uh, to, to argue that a court should detain them. Um, should our courts determine that, that, uh, the law is, is retroactive. And so we're going to be reviewing those cases, uh, preparing those petitions and potentially even having hearings on those, uh, before January 1st and asking the court to, to stay the effect of, of those orders until the law goes into effect. Um, I, I think that's the only responsible way to approach it, to make sure that we are as prepared as possible for whatever, you know, um, judicial interpretation, um, uh, may, may, uh, may occur or whatever change in the law, happens between now and then that may clarify that it is retroactive or, or just prospective.
0: Dan, we are almost out of time here. What are the chances of making modifications to this law in the fall veto session, uh, clarifying some of this language, averting a potentially very chaotic situation come New Year's Day?
1: Well, I, I, work in the courthouse, not the state house. Um, and I, I do know that there are, there are good faith, uh, negotiations and, and, you know, communications on, on all sides of, of the aisle, uh, including law enforcement, including, you know, state's attorneys and, and, uh, and victim advocacy groups and other interest groups that are very interested in, um, this bill and the, the public policy objectives of the bill, but also making sure that we balance that with, with, with public safety. Um, but, I, I don't have a crystal ball, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm not uh, enough of an insider at the Statehouse to know what the, what the real probability of that is. But I can say that, that the parties involved that do have the ability um, to, to make meaningful changes to, to the act uh, are engaged in good-faith discussions with, uh, with, with various stakeholders. Uh, I think they want to get it right in the end, um, and there, there, are, there are no bad motives uh, of anyone involved. And I think it it, it is a testament to those folks that are uh, responsible for passage of the act and their good faith that they are engaging in in discussions with with other stakeholders. And I'm optimistic that whether it be before the election or, um, you know, before January 1st, that uh, there will be an opportunity uh, for for meaningful changes to the act to make sure that um, we fulfill our duty to the public, which is making sure that, that public safety is always of a paramount concern.
0: Sangamon County State's Attorney Dan Wright, thank you for putting this into some meaningful perspective for us here, helping us understand what's really going on. I really do appreciate your time. Thanks, Jim.